0: swag me at challenges in the books and d davis has a ride also what's going on over there fam you are these players ineligible what does it mean for right now and the future going forward gerald thomas of the tallahassee democrat comes in to tell us all about it oh yeah it's locked on hbcu play my music you are locked on hbcu your daily podcast covering hbcu sports Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one. Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU Athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And I, have, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. The Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean it's time to end your journey. It means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Now, I have one big takeaway from the SWAG Meak challenge, and that is D. Davis has arrived. I'm sold. Now, when you look at these two teams, Howard and Alabama State, offensively on paper, there's some big similarities to where you have a mobile quarterback, a dual-threat quarterback, and you have a triumvirate of good running backs. Now, Eden James just played his first game, and he didn't get a a lot of, I think, five carries. But I'm going to say that he's a good running back from everything that I've heard in the spring. Everything seems to be pointing to D. Davis having – or, excuse me, not D. Davis, Eden James having a good season. I mean, he does have two really good running backs ahead of him. So there is going to be a little bit of a give and take on how good his season can be. But I think he at least earned his way into being a part of the triumvirate good running backs. And then you look on the other side, you have Alabama State who has a running back trio who is earth, wind, and fire. Now, I understand earth, wind, and fire might not be the greatest thing to kids my age, right? You know, that's not something that's being played all the time by kids my age we know Earth, Wind & Fire is classic. You can't just name yourself Earth, Wind & Fire if you're not going to come out and actually do something about it. You can't just name yourself that, right? So these are two really good units of running backs, and then you have two dual-threat quarterbacks and Quentin Williams and then also D. Davis. However, if you're looking on Saturday, and we're just talking about Saturday, I'm not trying to sum up somebody's whole season or whole career with this one sentence, but if I'm looking at the quarterback play on Saturday night, D. Davis made plays when plays were not presented to him. The same cannot be said about Quentin Williams. And that one sentence, if we're just summing it up, it's way more complex than that. But if we're summing it up into one sentence, that's how we describe the difference in quarterback play for each team. And I think Larry Scott saw some of the inconsistencies in his quarterback, right? Because I'm looking at Quentin Williams and I'm like, man, listen, first off, praise to the Alabama State defense. Praise to the Alabama State defense, because I don't want to make it seem as if, oh, well, he's just throwing against air and It was all bad on offense. No, the defense has some good sticky coverage. They weren't giving the, the wide receivers much separation. So they did make things difficult. But I also felt as if Quentin Williams, he didn't perform like a player who before. He didn't perform like a quarterback who was one of the leading quarterbacks in the MEAC last year. You know, when I'm watching him play, he seemed nervous. He seemed giddy. He didn't seem to have everything down packed. And if you see Larry Scott, there was points when he was just frustrated with them. Now, that's not to say that everything was all bad for him. He had two plays that I thought were kind of risky, but they were smart plays. And they were actually throws across the body that or throws across the field. That I just didn't like um, he was moving the other way, but they were open receivers and both led to really good plays. One was a fourth down. One led to, I think, a 15 yard completion. They were both shallow uh, throws. So it wasn't as if he was going 15 yards down the field and throwing across his body. It wasn't like that. So with that being the case, I'm looking at Quentin Williams. Okay, you had some good, but there was too many times when I just don't feel like he put the ball where it needed to be. There was too many times when I just felt like, "Mm." and you just kind of scrunch your face up and said, you wanted something more out of that, but we didn't get it. And this is kind of where I point to Coach Scott. Because I wish he would have leaned on his running game more. Now, let's be clear. This is a 10-point game, 23-13. There was multiple rain delays, but oh, my gosh. I couldn't get through the game without – or get through this segment without mentioning that because I couldn't get throughout the game without having to witness it. Oh, man. The game game didn't stop till 1230, and that's because they called it. But anywho, there was times when I felt like he should have leaned on his running game more. And Quentin Williams was struggling. You could tell he was struggling. This was only a 10-point game. And at no point was it out of, of hand. At no point. I think the largest lead was 14. So at no point was this out of hand. You could have ran the ball at, at all times of the game, except for probably the end when it got called. But you could have ran that ball. And that was when it got up to 10 points. Mind you, they uh Alabama State, excuse me. Alabama State got a 10-point lead, and then five, six plays later, it got called because of another rain delay or weather delay. So you could have ran the ball. However, Howard ran the ball 31 times, 31 times. And a couple of these are sacks, honestly, because I didn't see seven rushes out of Quentin Williams. I didn't see him run the ball seven times. I even looked at the play-by-play. I didn't see that. So I'm looking at, I, I counted four rushes for him, which I wish he would have done more. I wish he would have ran the ball more. He had a 17-yard scamper in the seven, uh, in the fourth quarter. I thought, I was like, oh yeah, there you go. But he just didn't do it that much. But you had 31, so let's just say, by my count, it was like 28. 28 rushes for Howard. Well, we'll just go to 31 because they probably counted for both. 31 rushes for Howard, 33 rushes for Alabama State. I liked the Alabama State running backs, and I thought they had some effective moments. There's no reason that Howard should have been outrushed by Alabama State. They just shouldn't have. Not in, in attempts, I should say, because they actually had more yards. They were more effective than Alabama State. Even the, the the smallness or the the slim amount of margin between their their yards per carry, that that wasn't it wasn't accurate. The eye test wouldn't tell you that. So I think they should have ran the ball more. But let's get off of the negative tip. Let's get into D Davis. D Davis is here. D Davis has arrived. Everything that I was saying as a critique for Quentin Williams, I feel like could be turned around for a positive for D Davis. Oh, man, Quentin Williams didn't act like he'd been here before. D. Davis completely looked like a quarterback who had been here, even though he hadn't been. This is his first collegiate snap or a collegiate start. He didn't play at, at Auburn. So he came in here like he really been here before. Now. He knew when to appropriately use his legs. He knew that, oh, OK, I got to take off. I knew that I need to step up and scamper. there was a point when he ran up in the pocket and delivered an absolute strike on the outside shoulder of a wide receiver. And what could have looked like it was just, oh man, he just threw the ball up and trusted his receiver. No, he did trust his receiver, but he also put it on the shoulder where the defensive back was not at. So with that being the case, it it was not a 50-50 ball. It was more of a 70-30 ball. So that's something that I noticed from D Davis. And then you're looking at him, he has so much poise. He has so much, so much awareness. There was Howard won the trenches on both sides. That's why they had a good job or did a good job running the game, running the ball. Excuse me. But then they also went on the defensive side, but they only had two sacks on the day because D Davis was able to see out of the peripherals, these Lyman rushing, and he had an effective spin move. I think it was like two to four times that he spun out of a sack. This guy was really effective and he really minimized the W that Howard got on the trenches by just being that good. And that elusive D Davis has arrived. D Davis is a player who we're going to have to really consider He's really stepping it. He's really going to step into into that conversation of one of the better quarterbacks in the SWAT pretty quickly. Mind you, this guy is. I think he's a registered freshman. I think he'll be a registered freshman. He hasn't played. So I think he'll still be a registered freshman coming into the season. Alabama State might just got them a quarterback for a while. And that doesn't mean he wasn't, you know, flaw. I don't mean it was flawless. He had two mistakes. Howard actually forced two turnovers, a fumble and an interception. Howard just couldn't capitalize on it. Neither one. I think they went three and out both times. One was a fumble, actually. They turned the ball right back over to him. Alabama State took advantage of their interception that they had, scored their first touchdown. You know, there was times where Howard's defense really stepped up. You know, they really did step up. They had a fumble, an interception, a a forced, uh, I mean, a blocked punt. There was times when Howard's defense and special teams put them into play. The offense just could not capitalize. That's what I saw, right? Now, here's one positive for Howard is that your defense did look good. So with your defense looking good, you would hope that your offense didn't evolve in a way where they can't bounce back because you were more concerned about your defense. You actually forced two turnovers. You only forced three all last year. So there are things that you can be encouraged by. But the ultimate takeaway is the fact that D. Davis is here. D. Davis has arrived. And that makes Alabama State a serious player. So we will see exactly how this goes on with week one on the horizon. But going forward, we're going to be talking about the FAMU scandal, the FAMU drama. You wasn't thinking I was going to come on here and not talk about it, right? So I got my guy, Gerald Thomas, from the Tallahassee Democrat, and he's going to be on to talk about what was going on in the mind of Willie Simmons and the FAMU players with the decision to make this game or to actually play this game. Before we do that, however, I have to get serious. I have to be serious with you and tell you that drunk driving is nothing to play with. Drunk driving is not a joke. Drunk driving is not something that you should take lightly. I understand you might be sitting down having a good time with your friends and you're tossing a couple of drinks back. But let's actually know what's going on. And let's say if you're drinking. Take that person's keys. It's not worth it. It's not worth it at all. I don't care if you seem like a party pooper. None of that. Because you might be thinking, oh, the worst thing that's going to happen to me is I get pulled over. No, that's the best thing that can happen to you, because the worst thing is you put somebody else's life in jeopardy, if not take it all together. So. Let's be clear. We have Uber, Rideshare, Lyft. There's so many ways in the city that there's no excuse for drunk driving. Drive sober, get pulled over. And it truly is that simple. And that's if you get lucky. As we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I have Gerald Thomas from the Tallahassee Democrat to talk about the FAMU scandal, what is academically ineligible, and everything around it, because this is a situation that is here and here to stay. And we're going to talk to him for a little while about how do they move forward as well. Okay, Gerald, so you got an opportunity to sit down with Coach Willie Simmons and talk about this whole situation. We know that FAMU is missing 20 players against North Carolina just Saturday, right? But it's under this, this wide umbrella of academically academically ineligible, which could mean a multitude of things. So when people hear academically ineligible, what should they think about?
1: Um, as of right now, um, Isaiah Land, he he uh tweeted out and said uh it was something out of his control or uh, the reason that he was uh absent from yesterday's game. So with demics, it's like you know, that's in your control. So if he's saying it's out of his control, you know, it's no telling what it is, you know. And then it's it's also confusing because it's players that were on the team last season that that were missing, Isaiah Land, BJ Bowler. And then, you know, it's like if they were like transfers, their first year transfers, you know, it kind of make more sense, but it's like it's just so confusing. It's a whole confusing situation, you know what I'm saying? Um uh, uh we don't really have any clarity about the reasoning of why those players were uh, deemed ineligible on a Thursday night, which spilled into Friday morning. But um, you know, right now we're just going to just co- continue to keep asking questions and and you know release information as it comes. You know, what I mean, you you rather be right than to be first. So um, I'm gonna continue to co- talk to Colt Sims and hopefully we can get to the bottom of it. And and honestly, man, hopefully, man, that those guys be able to get back on the field sometime soon. Um, the original number was 26. It or- originally was 26 guys that were missing and. They were able to get six of them cleared uh, to, right. to make the trip. But um, but man, you know, they missed some key guys, and you know, I can tell those guys really care about each other just with that decision to even go out there, even play that game like that. Um, so hopefully those guys will be able to get back on the field, but uh, we'll continue to try to ask questions and, and dig deeper into what's the reasoning behind uh, those players missing on Saturday.
0: Yeah, and the eighth Carolina said that getting this ineligibility or getting the eligibility confirmed. It's really a last minute process every single year. And they only got some players confirmed the day before the game. It'll be interesting. And I'll definitely be looking to see, well, what happens? Why were they last minute while fam, you, they just didn't get nearly 20. That's something that we'll have to look at in your article that you wrote about talking to Willie Simmons or after talking to Willie Simmons, you called this, an eye-opening situation, you know. That was something that that Simmons said as well. Why do you think that this will be an eye-opener for FAMU?
1: Well, it was a he called it an eye-opening situation because he said he felt like his players weren't being represented. You know, I, I think it, it could possibly be some internal issues going on within. You know, maybe you know the 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 inside workers of FAMU. So uh, that was the main thing, you know. He didn't really go into detail about how those guys are being underrepresented, but um, but that's where that's where the eye opening situation stemmed from. Uh, so hopefully, you know, if it's any internal t- turmoil going on between FAMU, uh, you know, between coaches and and people in higher ups so or anything, hopefully they can figure that out, you know, because man, FAMU man, they have such a good program. You know, I got a lot of respect for FAMU. I enjoy covering FAMU. You know, I mean, when I was going to college, family was one of the schools that I wanted to go to. So, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I show a lot of love to failure and I enjoy being out there. So hopefully, you know, they can be cohesive and, and, you know, get to their full potential, Um, you know, out of athletics, academics, anything. So that's where the eye-opening situation came from. Yeah, and you said you'd
0: rather be first, or excuse me, you'd rather be right than be first. Yeah. I want to talk about a little bit of, I don't know if this information is true and I want to give it to you and see. Now, I heard some people say it's going to be a four game penalty. Uh, Some people say Isaiah Land could be back next week. What's the timetable for these players who are missing and how or when they'll return?
1: Yeah, I've heard both things Um, right now. I don't think. Coach Simmons, he didn't mention, you know, any four games or, you know, he just said, you know, they're trying to, you know, they're fighting to get these guys back for next week. So I feel like it it, it could be a week by week situation. So like I said, I'm just going to continue to follow up with Coach Simmons and, and you know, just try to find out because at this point, I, I know just as much as everybody, you know what I'm saying? I only, can, I only can tell as much as, you know, I'm told. So, you know, if there's any unanswered questions, you know, that just – You know, that it just that's just what it is right now. So hopefully, you know, I can just, you know, continue to dig deeper and continue to ask questions and, you know, get good answers. And, you know, hopefully they be, you know, completely open with me and, you know, tell me some good things, you know, just so I can, you know, do my job, you know, the way that I want to do it and do it, you know, in good spirit.
0: Right now another thing got one more this one seemed a little I was a little skeptical I wasn't sure if people were just talking crazy you know how people on Twitter get you really shouldn't even take information from Twitter but I'm taking information from Twitter to then come to you so I think I'm okay but I seen that basically the reason or if fam you had skipped this game or chosen to cancel the game that they would have then had to pay the payout to North Carolina is this true
1: yeah, I mean, that was money that was that was given to them to when they agreed to this game, I believe they agreed to this game two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, it won't be it won't be far fetched to, to say, you know, they have to get the game back. But also, OK, I, OK, I want to, to get the money back. Thing. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm okay. not sure. I'm not sure. If they, I'm not sure if they already got the money in there, you know, in their account okay. or whatever. But but um yeah, if they, they might have had to get the money back or they might have would have never gotten it. So it would have been something of that sort. But also okay. I say that I say that also with the with the whole you know money situation, I, it it seemed that that wasn't uh a, a big focus for Cole Simmons. Like when I talked to him and you know, and we talked about the deciding factor, you know, he said he he talked to his seniors, he said he met his seniors about about five or six times, you know what I'm saying, and decided and wanted to see if they wanted to play. Right. You know, he left the decision up to him. So when I see that him when I see him do that, I feel like that's that was very selfless of him. Like he, you know, he 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 wants his players to be able to control their own destiny. You know what I mean? So they would have said, which originally they decided that they were that they didn't want to play the game, you know, once all that news came out, you know, now the, emo- the emotional roller coaster. Like these these are guys that's 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. You know, so they originally decided that they didn't want to play and then, you know, they talked about it again. Um, Coach said, you know, they you know said a few prayers and and those guys went out and, and said, you know what, we're gonna go play. And I feel like they put up a solid performance, you know. It was a they were a few mistakes away from, you know, being in it, you know, what I mean, so so yeah, man, that that's what the the whole money situation but I don't think that was a big focus of Coach Sims. I think he wanted his players to be the, be the ones to, to be the deciding factors for, for last night.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that you said that first part about the money because I'm thinking that you have to then go in and give it back, but I'm glad that's not the case. That sounds significantly more plausible, but you brought yeah. up the decision to play the game, right? And it was up to the players, and they said no. But what do you think, right, because whether you have inside information or if you're just guessing off top of your head, what do you think was the – ultimate turning point that made them say, you know what? We are going to play this game.
1: Well, I think, you know, even with just us as people, I feel like when you have, when stuff like that happens, you can make decisions, you know, out of emotion. And I feel like once they made that initial decision to say, Hey, we ain't gonna play this game, you know what I'm saying? That was out of emotion because, you know, those guys were sad, you know, I saw a few guys, you know, even shed in tears, you know, on Friday when I went up to film you, like, so I felt like the turning point was probably like you know, let's talk about this again. You know, maybe talk about the pros and cons. And ultimately, they went out there, man, and they and they said, you know, we gonna we gonna play this game. And to me personally, you know, I was I was proud of the decision for them to come together and say we're gonna play because you know that that, that showed a lot about their competitive spirit um of family football family football has a has a rich history man like right so you know that was a that was a that's something that they'll remember all the time too man like you know what i mean either for the good or for the bad you know they they went through so much turmoil on friday and then went out on saturday and played on espn and the acc network you know against one of the biggest schools in the country so and then performed well too man so like yeah so you know it was it was it was cool it was it was cool that Coach Simmons let them make that decision and and those guys were able to come together and say say let's go play. Yeah, I agree. Two
0: guys who weren't able to step on that field were two of the best players on what should be a pretty good defense. That's Isaiah Land and B.J. Bowler. Now Willie Simmons called this a "get money" game because this is the opportunity to put a big game on your game tape, right? But. Mm-hmm. They missed this and these are prospects in the draft who already have eyes on them but is there another get money game on the schedule for these famu players
1: man i'll say i'll say the game that's coming up jackson state a lot of eyes be on that man like you know this is this is probably my first time covering the orange blossom classic you know i'm new to tallahassee i just moved to um a little four months ago so it's my first season even covering you, so there's a lot of eyes gonna be on that just because it's going to be on, it's going to be on ESPN too. It's a Sunday game too. Yeah. Um, that game is actually getting played on a Sunday, so a lot of odds will be on that game. Uh, I know they have a few more games that will be on like ESPN platforms. I believe the Bethune Cookman game is ESPNU. Uh, so man, as long as they, you know, I, I always believe, you know, if you can play, man, you can play. So hopefully those guys be able to even get back on the field. Even you know Isaiah Land and BJ Bowler, you know they were missing. And it and it showed, you know, what I'm saying because those are the those are the main guys, you know. Fan, you not really a team that you're gonna give up, you know, fifty points. I don't know the last time they even did that. And then right. on the other side on the offensive end, they right tackle Cameron Coven, He's you know the leader of the offensive line. You know he's the pre he was the preseason All swap representative off of the offensive line. So like, there's a lot of guys that that were missing, man. But you know, hopefully they can come back and you know and and you know, up there, up their draft stock or the NFL start, You know, however way, however way they can get in the league, man. You know, they gotta, you know, they just gotta just continue to play well and keep making the right decisions. You know what I'm saying? Being good in the classroom and then hopefully, you know, they'll be in the league just like Marquise Bell. You know, I went yep. on Twitter. I saw Marquise Bell caught an interception the other day, and I went on Twitter. I just said he gonna make the team. Like I was, it wasn't no, it wasn't no analysis. It wasn't no journalism stuff. I was like, he's gonna make the team. You know, I believe final cuts. The NFL is on Tuesday, I think, or something like that. Sometime this week. But I think when once uh once it's all said and done, Marquis Bell, he can he's suiting up for the Cowboys, man. Right now, this
0: situation is hectic, it's not going anywhere. How do we move forward? What what's next? What is next for the rest of the season for the next couple of weeks? If you're looking at Fam you how do we move on from this situation?
1: Uh well, first is it, right now you can't even run from the situation. You know, you just gotta take a head on. The next thing they gotta do is get these guys back that they're missing. You know what I'm saying? Like, even if you can't get everybody, you know, just continue to, you know, man, coach, you know, coach know what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, just continue to get these players back to the, uh, you know, back active and so they can be able to play, you know, just keep on pressing on. But, you know, there's no need to run from the situation because it's already out there on front street. So along with the season, that's going to be something that's that's going to be a, a major factor that's going on, you know, just depending on, you know, who are these guys that that they have, man, because 20, 20 players missing, man, that's a big chunk of of a team, man. Even like when they were when the ESPN cameras was was wasn't working uh last night's game when they were just doing the, the aerial view last night, like you could see the sidelines. I was like, man, look at a sideline and then look at North Carolina sideline. So man, this I just hope, you know, they can get those you know get it you know get a full get back to full strength you know what i mean so so yeah man like right now it ain't no moving on they just gotta just it's like it's like chapters to this to this situation yep. right here so you know once they get all their guys back then that's when they'll be able to move forward and you know be like you know we got a full team now we playing with a full deck of cards
0: 100 this has been gerald thomas phenomenal analysis. I appreciate appreciate you for coming on. If you're looking for his work, you can find it on Tallahassee.com, the Tallahassee Democrat. If you want to keep up with this story, you know what's going on with FAMU. He's there every day. He's always putting out content. Follow him on Twitter at 3 pg That's three, the number three, P-E-A-T-G-E-E. I appreciate you for coming on the show, my guy, and breaking this down with
1: us. Hey, man, appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me.
0: Special shout out to Gerald Thomas for coming on the show and giving that insight about a situation at FAMU that, frankly, is not going anywhere. And speaking of not going anywhere at FAMU, on tomorrow's episode, we're going to be talking about Jeremy Musa because he looked good. Man, this guy looks like FAMU's offense might be a legitimate problem in the, in the SWAC this year. Seriously, we're going to be talking about that. And I have a hot topic. And I think, well, not a hot topic, but maybe a hot take. This is Hugh Jackson's last shot at head coaching. Everything else I got to say about that is going to come on tomorrow. So make sure you're looking for that. I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen, make sure you are checking out our conference shows like Locked on SEC, Locked on ACC. Hopefully they're not gloating too much, man. Uh, but, yeah, check those shows out because we're putting out great content on the a, on a, a Locked On Network. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. É